Lovely to be here. If you haven't met me before, my name is Jordan and I'm from Wellington and uh, really nice to be here and uh, we'll get stuck into it, eh? Um, I want to talk about this idea of blessed for a little bit and I want you to hold a concept in your mind, right? You sort of know what this word means, but there's a few things, there's a few ways we use it in church that confuse it a little bit, right? Because it's a really big word, it means lots of things. So sometimes we just use it to mean a little part of it, right? So I just want to expand it a little bit. Um, the central meaning of the word blessed means to come, is, a, is a state of being, right? It's a state of being, right? Another way of saying a state of being would be a way of living, so ways of living create states of being. If you have it, and states of being create ways of living, right? So uh, happy is a very shallow state of being, which creates ways of living. Smiling, right? So that's a simple picture, right? So the state of being will create ways of living, and the ways of living will create states of being. That works on an individual level, but no word really means anything individually. This idea of blessed is a state of being that can also describe how we function as a group, right? And also how all the people in the world function as a massive interrelated body, right? So that's a state of being, and it creates ways of living and ways of living in the way we live, the way I live, the way we live creates states of being. And some of those are what the Bible calls blessed, right? Another part of the meaning is this. It's about a state of being that's the result of correct alignment with the highest realities, right? So the highest resolution reality is Yahweh, the creator of all things, the God of the Bible, right? He's the highest reality, causes all things to be, fills all things with his presence, and maintains the existence of all things, right? I don't understand what any of those statements mean, right? Because they all are things you can't understand. They're all things you take as a truth and allow to shape your state of being and your ways of living. Right, So we can have these states of being that are blessed when we're in correct alignment with Yahweh, right? that allow us to all be in correct alignment with each other. By correct, I'm not meaning morally, I'm meaning functionally. So that we work, so that I can work, quote unquote work, and we can work. Right? By work, I mean not fall over. <laughs> Right, like not work as in a machine that produces something, but a, a thing that remains and not just remains, reproduces. You with me? Okay, what is that correct alignment with? What is that correct alignment with Yahweh? And so, uh, a strong undertone influence inference from this word is to kneel. Right. So here's a, here's a weird thing, because the Bible says at some points, bless the Lord, right? Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Why, are you going to give him a Ferrari? <laughs> right? Because this is where we get it wrong, right? Got a new house, hashtag blessed. I'm glad that you're in a kneeling relationship with Yahweh. It doesn't have much to do with your house, wow. Wow. right? Wow. The whole story, you know, here's the, here's the thing. Where's the story in the Bible about resources that God gives us? That's called the parable of the talents. So hashtag 
God gave me $500,000 and I wisely spent it on this sports car. Hashtag one talent. (laughs) Right? Versus um, the bank gave me $500,000 and and another three or four, and I spent it on this house in which we are going to build a family under the shadow of Yahweh that honors His presence amongst us. We're going to raise children who live in right relationship with God. Hashtag blessed, right? But also, also hashtag five talents, right? Because I'm engaging in the world in a way that's reproducing for the future, right? Simple truth, $500,000 houses, appreciating, appreciating value, strengthening your position in the world so that you can be a blessing, right? The $500,000 Lamborghini is now worth 200000 as soon as I own it, right? Because I can't park, <laughs> right? So you've got that in your mind? blessed, right? The piece of scripture that I want to talk to is this one. When he saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. Everyone say, up the mountain. No one did the hand action, right? So up the mountain, up the mountain. Um, He sat down. His disciples came to him. Then he began teaching by saying, blessed are the poor, for their, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they're going to be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. What's he describing? He's describing all the ways we can get the shape right. Right? Right? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers is a state of being, and it's a way of living. That creates a state of being in a way of living, right? Though, blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness sake for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. You're blessed when people insult you. So hopefully we'll do some of that today, right? <laughs> and persecute you. I'll just persecute Nate. Uh, and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me, right? That's what social media is for. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great. Where? In heaven. Where's heaven? Your reward is invisible, right? For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way, right? Okay. Blessed is like this modern word that I spend uh, most of my life talking about. Blessed is like that word flourishing. Who's heard this word flourishing? Blessed is like this idea of flourishing. There's some continuities, right? It's this idea of relationships in order, this idea of a blessed state of being, a feeling is part of it, right? And the discontinuities are that the the idea of flourishing often talks about we can flourish in ourselves and we can flourish just because we think we are, we can flourish if we're in the right relationship. But the discontinuity is that you can't just choose to be blessed. The blessing happens when we actually align things. Right? That's an important distinction. It's probably true about flourishing too. It's not really until you make actual shifts in things like sleep patterns, diet, that your body starts working. Right? You can make shifts in your thinking, all these sorts of things, but it's actual shifts that have to take place, especially when we think about blessing. And it's the shift we make in relationship to Yahweh that really matters. Right? What about those bits where the Bible says, and God blessed Isaac? And God blessed Abraham. A way to understand the ancient Hebrew is that God knelt Abraham down. And God knelt Isaac down. 
do you know what, across the last couple of years, do you know what God's been able to do for some of us? Has he knelt you down? Why, did, why, is God, why, is God, why am I under this pressure? Have you asked yourself that? Why are things not working? Why is this so hard, right? Well, maybe, maybe one of the things God's going to do is, gonna, is kneel you down so that you can find a tighter connection with him, a clearer connection with him. Okay, next word I want you to have to think about, okay, is the house on the rock. Now, if you know your Bible, you know I've just given you the very front end of the Sermon on the Mount, right? And I'm just as the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, the end of chapter 7 of, of the book of Matthew, right? The first bit was the first part of chapter 5, right? Uh, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the flood came, the winds beat against the house, but it did not collapse because it had been founded on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, right? So that's us, right? We are like foolish people. We build our house on sand and then rain comes, flood comes, wind beat against the house, and it collapses, and we're utterly destroyed. Are you the wise man? Well, good. You don't need to listen anymore. But for the rest of us, let's think about, across these next six messages, what are the things that we can do that we hear? What are the things that Jesus is saying? And what do, what do we do? Because sometimes there's a bit of thinking that has to happen. Jesus says things. And we have to think, well, what, what do I do now, here and now in my, in my world, so that I can do the thing that Jesus is saying? One of the jokes I make all the time talking about mental health is that, that um, I'm probably the person who does the most jokes about mental health. Um, but one of the jokes I make is that I own a mountain bike. Owning a mountain bike doesn't do anything for your well-being, though. I've owned it for years and I feel no better, right? <laughs> right. But the moment you get on and ride it, right, especially my house riding, you know, downhill to start with, right, there's, an ex there's, there's a benefit for you when you ride it. And it's, it's, Jesus is saying the same thing, right? You can, you can own all, you can hear all the things Jesus is saying, but it's the outworking in your real world in the dirt, the dirt parts of your life, the huge the human parts of your life. That's where the real lift comes. That's where the strength comes. So um, this word, um, the house on the rock, that picture is like this idea of resilience, right? That we talk a lot about. And, and for us as Christians, when we think about mental health, when we read stuff about it, we actually need to bring it into the context of how we think as Christians. And our mental health, our flourishing, is gonna come from a, a, alignment with Yahweh, do you know what I think everyone else's is going to as well, right? It comes from that alignment with Yahweh. And our resilience is going to come from our obedience to Christ, right? Now, we want to learn, do you know what? We want to learn all the other tricks. We want to know all the information, don't we, right? But we need to get the concept right in the middle. Just nod your head if it's making sense. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you do, right? Okay, so point number one, there is up and there is down. This is a very important truth, right? That many, many people around about half of the world are wanting to deny. There is up and there is down, right? So let me, I've, let me listen, listen carefully. When he saw the crowds, 
big crowds, all these different people all moving around. And who's in the crowd? You know, Pharisees and scribes and the disciples are in the crowd and there's lepers in the crowd and there's sick people in the crowd and there's foreigners in the crowd. There's the descendants of the Philistines in the crowd. There's Greeks and there's Romans. There's this massive crowd. And what does Jesus do? When he sees the crowd, he goes up the mountain. And then the disciples come to him. So how did they come to him? Right? And then he begins teaching them. Right? Who's the them? It's everything. Because it's in response to all the people. Jesus positions himself above Disciples move towards Jesus, and from that position, Jesus teaches the crowd, right? What does he say? I see all the crowd. I see all the masses, and I long to draw them towards me under my wing. That's the same picture where he, the way God blesses us is he comes above us so that we can come up to him. He creates this vertical reality so that we're not stuck in this horizontal shambles, Right? And we're going to talk more about the horizontal shambles tonight. That's just a bit of advertising. Um, so as soon as you have an up, you create a vertical line. And you're somewhere on that line. If Jesus is at above, if Jesus is at the, if Jesus is at the top of all human hierarchies, and he's above all of them. Right? That's one of, where are you in relation to Jesus? Well, pretty much you're always at the bottom once that's your relationship, right? Right? You've, you, you've covered an infinite distance and you have an infinity to go, right? That's the nature of it. Well, it's an eternal rather than infinite. Okay. Now, because of the nature of people, you then get this triangle picture, which is central to religion everywhere, right? This idea that most people are at the bottom. And then as you move up, there's slightly less people. And then there's slightly less people, and then there's slightly less people. This is like this is what this is a picture of of a of a boot camp training process. Week one, week two, week three, week four, right? As 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 the pressure increases, as the now here's the thing: as the demand to live at a higher state of being increases, right? Less people get there, right? Or if you just take a snapshot. Some people have moved up and some people haven't. So this is the, Jesus, the disciples, and then the crowd. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is drawing us up in that space, right? Now, there's always someone at the top of every hierarchy, right? So um, for sports fans, right, we don't wanna, we're not going to have this conversation, right? I'm not, we're not talking about who is the greatest, right? But here's one of the people who's always in the conversation about who's the greatest basketball player ever, ever, right? He's always in the conversation. I'm not making it, I'm not for or against the absolute um, deification of this person, right? But he's always near the top of this hierarchy of basketball players. And it's a, basketball is a, a beautiful picture of a hierarchy, right? Because it's such a hard sport to play at a high level, Right? So at the bottom of the hierarchy is me and Nate. <laughs> right? And at the top of the hierarchy is Michael Jordan, right? Maybe you don't like Michael Jordan, maybe you want a different Michael. Right? So maybe you're more of a lounge singer type. 
right? And who's the greatest lounge singer of all time, right? Well, this guy must be close. Certainly, if we were having this conversation in December, definitely he's near the top, right? Right? If we're seeing male lounge singers, I could have used Mariah Carey, but her name is not Michael, right? I needed someone called Michael from an alternative hierarchy, right? So the idea is that there are some people who rise to the top, right? But everyone can relate. I can relate to Michael Jordan, right? Because I've seen a basketball, You've seen a basketball, right? Now, some of you have a closer relationship with Michael Jordan, right? Because you can bounce it with one hand, right? Now, your relationship to the, this thing called basketball has lifted you, right, to another level of being. I'm using the basketball thing because it doesn't mean anything, Right? But when we think about Jesus, we've got to think about it the same way. Now, some of you, we've all heard Michael Bublé, right? You've all heard of him, haven't you? Because I just said his name, <laughs> right? Now, some of you, like you've got all of his albums. I'm just looking for this person because I will make fun of you, right? <laughs> uh, no, the, some of you, like Mr. Smith, committed to Michael Bublé from December through till way too far into January, right? Um, now, because you've heard of it, like we can, we can all sing, eh? We can, we can all sing, right? But we can't all sing in a way that people will pay money to hear it, <laughs> right? Now, but we can all relate to the idea of singing, right? Okay, so have a, have a think. Point number two is this, that our relationship or relating with Jesus, interacting with Jesus from a distance or from close, draws us to him, which is up into higher ways of living, into a more blessed state, right? Um, when he saw the crowds, the disciples, he climbed the mountain and then his he sat down, that's important as well, but then his disciples come to him, right? So when we talk about being a disciple of Jesus, it's about coming to Jesus, but where's Jesus? Well, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So to come, right? So in this story, he's sitting on top of a hill, actually a hill somewhere in Palestine. But the true reality of who the resurrected Christ Jesus is, is seated at the right hand of the Father. So when Christians talk about, hey, I've got a, I've got a relationship with Jesus, what we're really saying is we're prepared to look as high as possible about how we could live in our day-to-day -day realities. We're prepared to be challenged by the biggest challenge. We're prepared to be confronted by the biggest confrontation, right? We're to prepared to play one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan, right? We're prepared to sing on stage straight after Michael Bublé, right? How do you know that I'm not prepared to play one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan? Even if I was emotionally prepared, physically I'm not prepared, right? Not prepared to sing, right? But think about this, Michael makes you better though. Have a listen to these points, right? You didn't know about basketball or lounge singing until you heard about Michael, I didn't know about basketball until till I heard about Michael. I heard about Michael Jordan before I heard about basketball. Right? Some of you still don't know there's this whole thing called lounge singing. <laughs> right? You didn't know about it until you heard about Michael, right? Michael got you interested. You started playing and singing on your own. Then you joined a Michael Appreciation Club. Right? You started playing and singing with your friends. Right, listening to each other, trying to get better. Right, you you've watched videos of Michael Jordan and you tried to copy him. 
right? Every kid in the 1980, late 80s and 90s, every kid was trying to copy Michael Jordan, right? I literally saw kids run to the free throw line and just see how far they could go, right? They were not going to slam dunk it, but they were aspirational. <laughs> There's a hideous term that's been defaced across the last decade, right? Anyway, they, they had this desire. They were prepared to measure themselves against the highest possible standard. Are you with me so far? Right? Um, what about that? And you were also invited to be a backing singer, weren't you? Right? There's a break point between trying to copy him and then being invited into the world of that Michael Jordan, right? Invited to scrimmage, at, you know, play basketball at lunchtime with him, right? Jesus makes you better, right? You didn't know there was this life-creating force that brought all things into being and gave all things meaning and loved all things and honored all things and poured blessing on all things. You didn't know about that till you heard about Jesus, right? Um, you, Jesus got you interested, right? Then you started um, playing and singing on your own or what? What could life mean? Or there must be more than this. These are the questions people ask before they come to Jesus, right? They think about spiritual things. They think about their, 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 where they're at in emotional. They think about, wow, what does it mean to be a good dad, right? Um, you start trying to figure it out on your own, and then you join a Jesus Appreciation Club, <laughs> right? And we all start playing and singing together. We all try and be like Jesus together, right? And aren't we good at it? Well, we're as good as any basketball team is at being like Michael Jordan, aren't we? But the key thing is we've got this focus for what we're doing. We've got this desire to grow. We've got this desire to live at greater levels, higher levels of being, right? Um, you read stories of Jesus and you try to copy him. Right? I've got a friend who's blind or partly blind, and Christians have literally spat in mud and put it on his eyes. Right? I just think that's brilliant, isn't it? That's like the kid. Hey, that's like the, eight, that's like the year eight kids when I was at school trying to slam dunk from the free throw line. There's something cool about it. Some of you are like, oh, sh how shocking. Right? Well, it didn't happen to you, so calm down, right? It's not, it's not shocking. It just shows, hey, there's this, there's, this, there's this opportunity for us to grow, to be like Christ. And what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean spitting in mud and wiping on blind people's faces, necessarily, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that. But it means, hey, we're, we're, we're reading these stories and we're trying to be like Jesus. But then there's this shift that takes place when our relationship with Jesus goes from being one of distant admiration from the crowd to being one of his disciples, where we get to come to him, right? Where we can sit with him, where, where he doesn't just tell us stuff, but he also opens it up and explains it to us, right? Where we can ask him questions. You know, we can ask Jesus, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. We can ask him a question, like, hey, Jesus, you said this. What does that mean for me in my job? And Jesus can tell you, okay, well, the crowd heard this, but I'm going to just explain it to you. You know how we say I've got this personal relationship with Jesus? That doesn't mean you have a... Other, sometimes we think that means we have a relationship with, personal, with a personal Jesus. Well, I've got my own Jesus, and he tells me what I want to hear. Right? That would be nice, right? 
And sometimes we find ourselves thinking like that. But no, we, we're the individual and we have this relationship with Jesus where he speaks. Do you know what? Jesus speaks down to us. He must do. Because where is he? Well, he's everywhere. Okay, where is he? He's at the top of the mountain, though, right, in the story, right? When he's teaching, he's teaching from the top of the mountain, right? Sometimes he taught from a boat. Have you read those bits in the Bible? And There was a big crowd, so Jesus went out on the boat and taught from the boat. That's weird, isn't it? Why would you teach from a boat? <laughs> right? Well, part of the reason is because he's above all the mysteries. Because remember... In the first century AD, they didn't have goggles. <laughs> they didn't. It's historically proven they had no goggles. Um, so they actually, do you know, ancient people didn't know what was going on under the water. So Jesus out on the boat, he's above all of that mystery of this underwater reality. God, he sits above it, afloat on all the chaos of what might be under the water, right? Walks on the waves. All those pictures are the same thing. Jesus is up on the top of the dry land, but he also can stand on the chaos. He can stand with everything shifting and changing, and he can teach us from there as well. Amen. Okay, that, there's a lot in that little last little bit. Right? But we won't go into it because we've got, I've got like four more sermons. I don't want to just, I don't want to shoot all my bullets. And next time I'm here, I'm like, ah, let's turn to a story about David and Goliath. And you'll be like, what? Uh, okay, so point number three, right? For those of you who are keeping score, this is the last one, obviously. Because there's only ever three points in a proper sermon, right? People who do four, uh, they just couldn't decide, right? <laughs> and I, I just think that shows a lack of solidness of mind. I think... It should be three points, right? And leave the next one for tonight. We don't want we don't want to sit here all morning, listen to a fourth point. Just give us three. That's what I say. Just quietly in my head. Right? I don't say those things out loud. Certainly not in a public space like this, right? Jesus fills everything everywhere, right? Good? Jesus fills everything everywhere. That's a quote from what book of the Bible? Bible college students? Graduates? Pastor Bruce? If only Pastor Helen was here, then we would know where this was from. This is from the book of Ephesians. He fills everything, everywhere with his presence, right? This is, um, this is the scripture. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them. And I think that them is the crowds. He begins to teach them. So, in the same way that Michael Jordan and Steph Curry and LeBron James and Bill Russell, you know, they, 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 Michael Jordan fills all of basketball, right? Because his, there's literally a silhouette of him on half of the actual basketballs in the world, right? There's a picture of him on half the basketball shoes, right? He fills all of basketball, right? There are people in here who, who can't play basketball, who've never played it competitively, who are currently in this room now wearing shoes with a picture of Michael Jordan on them, right? You don't need to, you don't need to confess, right? I'm just pointing out the fact that Michael Jordan fills the whole space. And I can't really say to you, well, come on, you have, well, people do this, right? Name, name five of their best songs. How dare you wear a Metallica t-shirt, right? <laughs> and sometimes we do that as Christians, don't we, eh? Oh, name five of his best verses. You think you're a Christian, right? 
You think you're a Christian? No, it's about this. I, how many of you heard of the, the, remember this movie, I Want to Be Like Mike? Right? That, this is, that's who we are. We're the, we're the kid trying to do the thing. Be like Jesus. Right? Oh, we want to be like Jesus. Now, why do you want to be like Jesus? Well, part of it is, here's, I'm going to rephrase it again. Why do you want to try and be like Jesus? Because trying to be like Jesus allows you to live in a blessed state, right? Because trying to be like Jesus in your everyday to day, everyday life, right? The way you drive. What did I say? I said trying to be like Jesus in, our, in, our, in the real world, not in our... Yes, in our heart, in our attitude, in our spirit, but also in like the way we drive, the way we speak to our children, the way we relate with our husband or wife. We want to, we're not going to be like Jesus much, but we need to try and be like Jesus because that shifts us into a blessed state where God begins working, right? And it shifts us as we try and be like Jesus. It moves us closer to Him. It, he, and here's the thing. He then draws us up. Did anyone get to choose to be a disciple? Did Peter, is there that story of Peter's, Jesus is walking down the lake and he calls, says to Peter, come follow me. And another bloke called, I can't come up with a name, Nate. Another bloke goes, oh, me too, me too, I'll be a disciple. There's no story in the Bible where people get to choose, right? Jesus calls people up, right? Now, that, that, everyone began following, right? But Jesus calls these people out. And the truth is this, that we begin following Jesus. Maybe we respond, we put our hand up, we open our heart, we pray prayers. But the actual thing, the actual discipling thing is Jesus drawing us up, right? So Peter walked on water, eh? How far? We don't know how far, but not far enough. <laughs> right? It would be a terrible miracle if Peter walked all the way to the other side. Because then you'd have to too. Right? And you can't, right? Because you do a few steps and then you fall down. You jump in the air, you spin the ball around behind you, and it flies out the sideline. Right? And your team are like, oh. All the other... Michael Jordan appreciation people, the other people in the club. And we do that all the time, don't we? Try and be like Jesus, say something stupid, and all the rest of the Jesus appreciation club. (sighs) Right? There's this desire in us that comes from the bottom up of that arrow. Right? But the miracle comes top down where Christ Himself reaches down and draws us up into what? Into states of being and ways of living that are blessed. Amen? So a really important question then is what's your next step up? What's the thing that Jesus is speaking to you about to draw you up? What's He saying to you? Well, do you know what? If you you can't think of anything specific... I just would make a, a suggestion. You should read the Bible. Lots of great ideas in there about ways you could be better. Right? And I found reading the Bible generally makes me realize I need to do better. I hardly ever read the Bible and think, yes, I'm pretty sure I've got this on lock. 
in the same way that watching Michael Jordan play makes you realize there's always more, right? But we don't just get to watch Jesus play. We get to play the game with Him. Amen. So what's your next step? Maybe close your eyes for a second. I just don't want to rush on to the next thing because I want you to think of a thing. I, I, I want you to think of the simplest thing. I want you to think of something that you can put into action and say, Jesus, I want to put X, Y, Z or into action. Don't say, don't say X, Y, Z in your prayer. Say your actual thing. And I, But Jesus, I need you to work with me in it to lift me up. 